Take your Bibles tonight, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you would. The last few days I've had the opportunity to attend a church planters conference, and where church planters, these are guys who are starting churches, have come in together, and they come from all across America, and they come and present their needs, and then pastors, uh, you know, attend this conference, and then uh, from, you know, church mission budgets, we kind of gather together and support these guys. And I want to talk to you kind of about that endeavor at the end. But as a segue to that, I'm going to use the text that we're looking at tonight, 2 Corinthians. So, if you don't mind, I want to ask you to stand with me as we look at a few verses together, a very familiar text about giving, and really the impetus behind giving, and that is the grace of God. And so, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1, the Apostle Paul writing says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, or bring to remembrance of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Now, this would be the Philippian churches uh, primarily that he's he's referring to here. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto their riches of liberality. Now, that's, that's really old English language for saying they were really poor, but they gave like they were rich. That's the thought there. They didn't have much, but that didn't keep them from giving. Verse number three, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. And I'll talk about that word finish in a moment. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and in utterance and in knowledge and all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. Now I speak not by commandment, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore, the idea is stop hesitating, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of it, that you, that which you may have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according that, to that he hath not. All right, let me ask you to be seated if you would, and thank you for standing. You know, we know the Lord Jesus Christ you initiated and started the church. You know, that's the first church began with the Lord. And of course, as the Lord was you know, crucified, then He came back again, you know, in time, you know, a church began to grow there in Jerusalem. And Peter, John, um, for a time the Apostle Paul were there. And in time the Lord moved Paul and Barnabas on to the regions of Antioch, which had been north. Um, and uh, in time, of course, then the Lord moved those two men on, particularly to become church planters, you know, really throughout the rest of uh, Asia and, and in Europe. But before they went, um, a famine was settling over Jerusalem. And things were getting hard on that early church there. 
And so the elders gathered together and they asked Paul and Barnabas, hey, as you travel and you start churches and you know, people are one to Christ, I, w- I want you to, uh, we, we want to charge you to do this, remind them where they came from. You know, the thing started here and you know, they really owe their spiritual life back this direction. And you know, we're going to go through a hard time and, and if they could be a help to us, that would be great. Well, history records that a great famine did settle upon Jerusalem. And uh, Paul, specifically, was very faithful to this promise to remember them. So, as Paul went from place to place and church to church, and especially on his second and third missionary journeys where he, he went back to places that he already had started, he began to instruct them to take up an offering. And so, one of those places that he went to was, of course, to Corinth. And while he was in Corinth, he began an offering. And of course, we see this in 1 Corinthians 16 and some other places. And basically, the idea was this, is, um, hey, there, you know, we owe a lot to Jerusalem. This is really where our roots are and our heritage is. And so, I, I want you all to set aside week by week uh, an offering for the saints in Jerusalem to help them in their trial affliction, which we think was probably famine. And in a year from now, you know, when I come back, um, you know, I'll collect that offering. Well, when the Corinthians heard this, they were super excited about being part of that program and giving, and they started that offering in great zeal. So, you know, January, February, March, you know, artificial time, but you get the idea. They started with great, great zeal to give that offering. But over the course of time, you know, out of sight, out of mind, their offerings began to wane. So much so that that word came back to the Apostle Paul that the offerings were really not continuing. Well, he, he began to get concerned because he had actually used their zeal as an example of giving to the Macedonians. <laughs> and, um, and of course, they were excited because the Corinthians were excited. And so, the, the time of his approaching, the collective offering was coming, and he heard that it really wasn't amounting to much. So, he sends Titus ahead of him to not bully them, but remind them, hey, Paul's coming, and I have this letter here that you need to read that he wrote, we're reading it tonight, about the giving. And, and he's basically reminding you that, you know, giving is a grace, giving is an opportunity. And he doesn't want you to, you know, uh, grudgingly of necessity, as he would go on to later and write, it's just something that you ought to be a part of. And, and, he, and he gives some reasons why they should give. And I, that's what I want to talk to you tonight, is about the grace behind giving. You know, really, if we think about grace, uh, you know, the grace is a starting place of our Christian life. You know, it's by grace, you know, through faith that we are saved. Grace is to be the centerpiece of our Christian life. It is to be one of the defining characteristics of who we are, how, how we act, and what we believe. We are saved by grace. We are changed by grace, sanctified. And the Bible tells us we are to live by grace. The word grace in the Greek, of course, you know, is charis. And it implies the unmerited, undeserved, you know, omnipotent power of God bestowed upon us, you know, recipients who do not deserve it. The word charis is mentioned 156 times in the New Testament. And in my opinion, above all other things, it reminds us how much we owe to God. Right. You know, uh, we, you know, as Apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. I would not be saved. I would have no real spiritual strength. I would have no impetus to be changed. You know, whatever is good in us, whatever will merit reward in us in the future comes through the conduit of grace. And we owe much to God because of that grace. 
Grace is the means of my forgiveness and my salvation. Grace is what sustains us in all of life's trials and tragedies and, and difficulty. Uh, grace provides to us uh, you know, untold gifts and abilities and talents. It is the source of blessing in our lives. And so we are the recipients of grace in so many ways. But here's the thought. You know, freely we have received, but the proverb goes on to say that freely we should also should give. You know, said another way, to whom much is given in terms of grace, you know, much is required in terms of grace. God does not intend for His grace to be poured into a bottomless pit. And if we're not careful, we can be that way. Well, I'll be, thank you for the salvation, and thank you for the help, and thank you for the gifts, and thank you for the job, and thank you for the house, and, and you know, thank you for the enabling power, and thank you for the strength. And, and, and if we're not careful, all, all we're going to be is, a, is an open hand. But in time, we have to become something more akin to a cup. And the grace we receive in time does not only need to be poured into us, but grace needs to also flow outside of us. In other words, if we're recipients of grace, we should also pass that grace along to others. Grace should be something that we manifest in our lives also. And I could talk a lot about different ways that grace should be manifest in our lives. It should be part of our speech. It should be part of our, the way we forgive and our conduct. And of course, I'll get to tonight, it should be involved in the way that we give. In the Christian life, we are supposed to grow, and we grow, of course, in grace. Not just by, not just by resolve and grit and, you know, stick to itiveness, but also by God's help. And the enablement and the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, that's, that comes from God's grace. And, and when God gives us this grace, then, then we grow. We can grow in faith. We can grow in our dependence and trust in God. We can grow in knowledge. You know, we, we can actually learn from the Word of God and become more mature and have understanding and know how to you know, address the issues of life. We are to, to grow in the use of our gifts. Uh, you know, if I, if I have some abilities and, and, and strengths, and I, if I just have strength to do anything, you know, I, I am to grow in, in the usage of those gifts. I am to grow in diligence and dependability and perseverance. I'm to grow in character and kindness and, you know, uh, patience and deference. Uh, I'm, in to, I, I'm to grow in love. But the object in view here, the centerpiece of Paul's thought here is that, hey, of all these ways that we're to grow in the grace of God and all the way that he gives us power from on high to undeserving people to become more than they are, one of those ways we're supposed to grow and change is in the grace of giving. Verse 7, he says, abound also in this grace. There's a, there's a lot of ways to grow, but don't forget to grow in the grace of giving. Giving should be a pronounced, dynamic part of the Christian life. And, and, and by that, I don't just mean, you know, uh, giving in the offering plate and, you know, to the, the box in the back. Certainly that is what Paul has in view here. But, you know, we understand giving is, is life, giving my time, giving my life, giving my love, giving my, my energy and effort to other people. Growing in giving is incredibly important for all of us. Without this growth, we cannot become the Christians that God intends for us to be. Without giving our lives away for others, you know, we become immature. We become centrist and selfish. We are covetous. Um, we have our, you know, we, our affections can be set on the wrong things. We will become unhappy when we're selfish. And so giving teaches us dependence upon God and giving, giving teaches us reliance upon God. 
But giving also gives us the opportunity to have impact. It gives us the opportunity to have influence. You know, we understand God's giving to me changed my life. I mean, it changed everything about my life. It, it changed my eternal destiny. It took me from, you know, uh, someone who's going to hell to someone who's going to heaven. It, it, gives me, it gives me a home. It gives me a reason. It gives me a purpose. Uh, you know, grace has given me everything and it, it, the opportunities that grace has given. And this is the idea is that not only do we receive it, we're to give these opportunities and gifts and grace to other people to have influence by giving. Here's a thought. When we fail to give, and of course Malachi goes to great lengths to explain this, we rob God. And, and it's not just like, you know, okay, you know, God wants our money. We, that's, God doesn't need our money. God wants, you know, he, he doesn't want this from us, He wants this for us. There's a big difference. It is a way to honor Him, certainly in giving. We, we, we do that. But we rob Him of, like, the, the thought that He he gave to us. It's like, you know, a parent who's always good to their kids and then never saying thank you, never, never being grateful back, never expressing appreciation. That's kind of, it's like a form of robbery. You're just not acknowledging that you're the recipient of something extraordinarily amazing. It's, it's robbing them of the thank you and the credit, you know, that they do. And a teacher's poured their life into you at the end of the year. You know, it's robbing them not to say, hey, thank you for that investment. Thank you for giving to me. Thank you for the education. Thank you for what you, 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 you put into my life. Um, you know, it's, and, and of course, it's something we try to teach each century at the end of the year to, to try to recognize those who've invested in them because it robs them. But it, it robs ourselves. You know, we become myopic and small and, and hollow and, and, and selfish when we don't grow in giving. We're, we rob ourselves of who we can become. And then we rob what other people can receive through us. If we would give, I mean, how could the world be changed? How could our neighborhood be changed? How, you know, if we would just if we gave our time enough to give a track, if we if we gave, um, you know, time to, to invest in a, in a young person or be a mentor to someone, you know, we, we rob God, we rob ourselves, and we rob other people. And then you know, we rob ourselves of just being happy because the Bible does say this: it's more blessed to, to do what? Yeah, than to receive. And so we rob ourselves of just the life that I think all of us are really trying to find. You know, human nature, of course, this runs contrary to our natural inclination, and so we engage in selfishness and keeping, and of course, that does make us myopic in terms of significance, and we're not getting the happiness that we want in keeping. We're actually fostering selfishness that produces nothing more than dissatisfaction. So tonight, I, I want to give you these thoughts, and I'm working my way to a point that's actually an admonition, uh, actually uh, a thank you. But the first thing it does, it proves something, verse number 8. Look there with me. And Paul says, I speak by, not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. And Paul makes this case that when you give, and if you go back in the text, you know, he says the Macedonians just didn't give their money, they gave of themselves also. So the application is very broad here. Just people who give of their life and time and resources, and yes, their finances. He says they're proving something, and they're proving the sincerity of their love. The Apostle starts his encouragement to grow in grace of giving by reminding the Corinthians that he's not commanding them to give. That's not his attitude. It's not his intent here. He's not trying to come down heavy. He's not trying to come down on guilt on them. You know, I mean, um, guilt's always a very poor long-term motivator. It's not what he wants. 
He said, I, I'm not coming at you that way. I, I, I am saying that you have an opportunity in giving to prove something. All too often, it is our attitude about giving that it's obligatory. And there's a part of that that's probably not wrong to divorce ourselves from completely. But we view it as something that we have to do and something I'm being coerced to do, something I'm being compelled to do. Uh, you know, something that, you know, I, it's just, just kind of this, had a negative connotation. But that's not what Paul paints in this picture at all. He's painting an opportunity to demonstrate that you understand that you are the beneficiary of God's amazing grace and goodness. You're just giving, when you have a chance to give, you're just proving that you understand that. You're proving that you understand that God loves you and you've been a vessel that has been a recipient. And you're saying back that I love you in return. There's an old saying that love demands expression. And that is certainly true. We would all say amen to that. When you give time, that's an expression of love. When you give counsel, that's an expression of love. When you give your talents, that's an expression of love, service, treasures, etc. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so he's saying you, have, you just have an opportunity. When you give, you have this opportunity to say to God and to other people that you understand that you've been a recipient of an amazing gift and you're proving your love in return for that gift. Paul now uses two illustrations of people who understood that, who understood that love was um, giving was a proof of that sincerity. He, he used the Macedonians. And I won't take time to go through this text again, but again, these Philippians, you know, the, the Macedonians in this region, when they heard about uh, the, the poor saints in Jerusalem, well, they, they got excited about giving. And, and yet here were people who very well could have been in an equal state of poverty. They, they very well could have been just as poor and uh, the, the victims of, of famine as the saints in Jerusalem, but they nevertheless, they mustered what they had. And the Bible says, you know, they, they, they just give the resources, that, but they step forward their own lives. Hey, what can we do? How can we be in help? You know, how could we serve? You know, even if they didn't have a dime, they were willing to do something. And then they gave in an incredibly sacrificial way. And Paul's saying, you, Corinthians, I want you to look at this. Here's some people. They understand what Jesus did for them. They understand their salvation and, and, and the, the recipients of grace. And here are people who are in this great trial affliction of their own, and yet they are so excited about giving that I literally had to go to them and say, stop and restrain them. Can you imagine? Like, that's enough. You've done your part. And of course, he'll go on to labor later in this chapter about equality. You know, they've done their part. You do your part is what he would teach. But then the greater example, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he used him an example. Hey, you know how, how when he was rich, meaning what? Well, when, when he was side by side with the Father at the throne, when he was in heaven in glory, when, when he had been in uninterrupted uh, communion with the Holy Spirit and, 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 the, and, and God the Father, you know, from eternity past, the Lord interrupted all of that. And he, Philippians, he condescended. You know, he, he thought of not robbery. You know, he was equal with God, but he, he, he didn't think about, he, he didn't try to hold on to that. He let go to come down to us, and he made himself poor, a man of no reputation, a servant, and he gave, not just, he impoverished himself, impoverished himself to what level? Well, not just physical poverty, but of life. He went to the cross. He gave away everything for us. 
So he says, you know, you know the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he was rich, you know, he became poor for your sake. He, he gave away everything. So the Macedonians are doing this. And of course, the ultimate example of the Lord Jesus Christ, well, I, want, I want you to grow in that same, that same grace also. I, don't, for your, I, don't, I want you to be just like that because of what it proves. Well, the second reason that you need to grow in grace is because it performs something. Verses 10 11. And herein I give my advice. This is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Or was he saying this a year ago? You were forward. You, you intended. You leaned into doing this. Uh, the idea is this you were leaning into good intentions, but your intentions really aren't all that's required. There's this performing of the intentions that is required. And he, he's saying, you, know, you, you need to get past that. You know, he acknowledges, um, you know, the readiness of mind. I've learned this. People always have a readiness of mind. There are people who are ready to do the work, and there's people who are ready to let them do the work. <laughs> you know, that's not what he's talking about here. Paul's acknowledging their good intentions, and he's not diminishing it. I'm glad you, you had a readiness of mind. That's great. But he's saying this growing in grace means moving beyond your intentions to the doing of it, the performing of it. We've all been in that place of good intentions. And we know the difference of having a good intention and then the doing of it. I intend to go to the gym. I intend to go to the gym. I intend to go to the gym. And then the performing of it is a little bit different. I intend to eat better. I intend to watch less TV. I intend not to have snacks. Or, you know, we, we all... You can make this list. I, I intend to be nicer or whatever. But then there's the part of the doing of it. See, grace, this is what's amazing. Grace can get us beyond intention. Sometimes when grit and, you know, just um, will doesn't, grace can't. Grace can move us beyond intention. It can grow us to the actual performing of change. That's what sanctification is about. Paul's mind is going back to a year before when he encouraged them to give to Jerusalem. They started well. They intended well. Uh, so enthusiastic was the response. Again, he actually used that as an encouragement to other people. And now he's had to use other people's example to encourage them again. And so he's saying this, you know, basically, you need to be a person of integrity. You need to be a person who follows through. Verse 12, for if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath. And not according to that he hath not. He says, you, you can do this. I'm not asking for what you don't have. I'm asking you to give, to have the integrity to give from what you do have. The idea is if you have but don't give, that's not Christian integrity. When people have the ability to help but they don't, what's that say about us? Um, what, what would someone think of us if we saw a young person in the street and a car coming down the road and we could have helped them but we didn't? Well, we would all say, no, that's horrible, right? We'd all agree with that. I'm not asking you something that you can't. You could have stopped. You could have got out there and helped him, but you didn't. And, and God's just saying, it's the same idea. You can do something. And when you don't, you know, you've got to get beyond attention. You've got to pull the kid out of the street. You've got to show your love. You've got to prove the sincerity of it. And uh, this, this is something that we have to do. And then, this, then finally, this gives me the point that I, I want to go to tonight, really. 
When we grow in the grace of giving, when we understand we're recipients of grace and not empty vessels, we're to be poured out in the lives of others, and we do that, we, we prove the sincerity of our love, we, we move to a place of Christian integrity. And then understand when we give, it provides something. When we give, we provide something. And, and, and of course, the Apostle Paul labors here in verse 13 through 15. I don't have time tonight. But it provides for the needs of others, but it also provides equality. When you give, other people don't have to be burdened overly because there's always people who are going to make things happen. So there's a part line. We need to help those who are helping. And when you know, if, if I watch the nursery tonight and then you, you can watch it next night, and if you, you can give time tonight and then I give it next time, he, he goes, Hold it. When we give, no one's overly burdened. Everyone's a help to every, everything. That's the place for the best spirits. Um, no one should do too much. No one should do too little, Paul's saying. But the idea is that when we all give, we can just really accomplish something great and big and extraordinary. When, when everyone's a part, really great things can happen. And so tonight, I, I, I took all this points I, I wanted to say to you that, you know, tonight in my mind, over the last year, I, you know, I would like to think this that we've played the part of the Macedonians more than the Corinthians. And we've really had a great year in giving this year. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, this, this is uh, a commendation. I was able to attend the Church Planners Conference. And um, we are, of course, doing a wonderful job of meeting our budget and taking care of our missionaries. And we were able to give all of our missionaries this year all across the board, I think, a double support for the month of December. And we've been able to take a lot of projects. And a lot of times I, you know, I come to you and I, I, try, I try to remember to tell you things that we've been able to do as a church. But guys, you have that um, slide tonight for me. Can you put that up? I just wanted to share with you tonight a little bit of what you uh, were a part of uh, in the last two days. So these different dots up here on this map represent money that in the last two days that uh, the membership of Eastland Baptist Church gave to. So these different dots um, are, these represents, that represents a family, a man, his wife, and his children who are going to a place and starting a new church. Now some of those are people who've been there for a year or two, and of course in some very difficult environments and starting churches um, and, and, and need support. But I just wanted to read to you a little bit about what you were able to do in the last two days. I, I was able to, um, on your behalf, give away over about $20,000 to church planners in this little swoop. And so we took seven new church planters on for support. So that means on a monthly basis, we are supporting, we are part of the financial support for seven new uh, couples who are out beginning to start churches. Um, some of these guys come back after a year or so, and, and they have all these needs. Because I, I mean, some of these places, we're talking about Washington, the stories this week about men in Washington who lost their churches completely over, during COVID. Um, you are a part of seeing a church start. This is, I, I didn't realize this, but we are supporting a, a church planter who is taking the very first independent Baptist church to the actual inner, I say inner city, the city limits of Portland, Oregon. Did you realize there's not an independent Baptist church in Portland, Oregon? I'm talking about the city limits. Now, if we know about Portland, Oregon, that's not a shock to us. But 
we're banding together with a group of the preachers to send someone there to start a church. And not just there, but uh, other places in Oregon and several in Washington, in Idaho, there's very few churches. Um, there are, we are currently supporting many, many, many more than this, but another new church in New York, um, several in Colorado, Texas, Florida, uh, Ohio, other places. But you are on a monthly basis supporting you know, a man, a preacher who's taking the gospel, his wife, his children, and helping them do this. More than that, um, you bought tires for a number of, of these guys who needed, like, I mean, guys driving old cars, and, you, and we, these guys who don't have two dimes to, drive, to rub together, and you bought them new tires. Um, you helped pay for some medical and dental expenses for some families who have no insurance. I mean, so these guys don't have it. And so they're doing the best they can. And so I, we as a church tried to meet the very specific needs of a couple guys just wipe it out for them. And I wanted to take care of that just as a blessing from Eastland Baptist Church. You were part in raising funds to buy numerous buildings for these new congregations to meet in. Um, you helped purchase a, a van for a bus route. I think actually probably a couple of them. You helped purchase uh, air and a heating system for a church uh, up in the Northwest that doesn't have one at all. They're just meeting in basically a barn, a metal building with none of that. You, we are paying to help a church actually move their restrooms indoors <laughs> instead of outdoors. There's not such a thing. Well, when you're meeting in a metal shed and that's all you have, and you don't have the plumbing yet to do that, then you do what you have to do with porta potties. And so we're helping actually a couple of churches actually move those facilities inside. And so it sounds silly, but we don't even think about it. But we are a part of that. We helped a historic church in Montana, uh, been there, I don't know, maybe close to 100 years. During COVID, it was devastated. Uh, people moved away. And the, the remaining congregation was in danger of losing the building, but preachers banded together to continue to provide support so those people can keep that building and bring in a new pastor. So we gave money so they could keep the lights on, pay the bills, and begin to have a salary for someone else to get there and have a start. In other words, too many, we're losing too many church buildings. And finding them again is incredibly hard. And a lot of cities, once they're gone, don't let them come back because they don't have enough revenue. And so keeping a church building is a really big deal. And so we're helping a very small group of people in Montana keep their building and going to help them find a pastor to come in there and do that. We uh, helped supported three brand new Hispanic works. I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, at least two of those three men were they saved under the ministry of a missionary in South America somewhere. They came to America, really understood they were recipients of the grace of God, and wanted to give that back. So they're pastoring churches. And this one man in New York, it was just an incredible story. He's, going, he's in Long Island and went to start a church and had no place to go. And uh, in door knocking, you know, so where's the, the church meet? So well, I don't know if we don't have one yet, but we're going to find a place. And in that endeavor, someone gave them a little bit of room in a mall, and they outgrew that. They went from a mall to a garage, and from a garage to another building, and they're just continuing to grow. They had over 100 people at last count, just trying to continue to go. 
And uh, so we're helping them locate and find a building and, and be a part of that. There's three men like that. And uh, there's just, it goes on. I, you get the idea. So, you know, I don't know what Paul said to the Macedonians, but I would say to you, uh, thank you. It's really neat um, as the pastor to go to these places. And on the behalf of the membership of Eastland Baptist Church, be that kind of help to other people. Super mindful where that money comes from. It comes from people who are proving the sincerity of their love, who are beginning beyond good intentions and actually doing something with the blessings God has given them and who are actually helping. You are helping. We are multiplying the grace of God across this, not just the United States, but across the globe, but in a, in a real uh, and tangible way the dollars that are given here are helping people like this all across our country. And we'll do more because there's more money to give. And when we, when we have it, we're going to give it. And uh, we're going to pour it outside the walls of Eastland Baptist Church. And so I, tonight is really just about saying thank you. So I want to ask you to stand tonight if you would.